Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Beauty Podcast with Emma G. This week's guest is the fabulous Jay Manuel. I first met Jay um, when I was an avid fan of America's Next Top Model back in the first first few seasons, uh, years ago now, and always thought that he was very dry, very centred, and um, he was one of those people that you thought, I know that if I sit down and have a chat with you, it's going to get interesting. And it may be more than 10 years later, but I'm really pleased to say that um, getting to sit with him uh, during his trip to London, he, he absolutely proved me right because um, not only did he tell me about the genesis of his beauty brand, he told me about working as a makeup artist, he told me about his other endeavours and we also geeked out on movies. It really was so interesting to speak to him. He was very generous with his time and also with... Uh, with what he shared with me, we really got into a few subjects quite deeply. Um, and he also, I was so lucky, he showed me um, some of his uh, new beauty range and really genuinely, I was very impressed and uh, will no doubt be tuned to QVC when it launches and uh, using QCut to buy far too much of it. So um, I really hope that you enjoyed the show. Uh, and all of the links to anything that we talk about will be in the show notes. And if you want to get in touch, just head over to emmagunawardner.com because that's where you can email me and that's where you can sign up for the regular newsletter. But in the meantime, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Beauty Podcast with Jay, with Jay Manuel, the Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G, featuring Jay Manuel. Excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Joining me on the beauty podcast, <laughs> it's Jay Manuel. I, and by the way, I love this because you have to, I wish people could see the microphone. <laughs> the microphone itself is so sexy. It look, it actually looks like an award. And I've, and by the way, because I've worked in television and still do for many years, so I'm so used to different mics. This one looks like an award you Wait, should give out. Are you telling me that after all of your years in TV that my mic stands out from the rest? Well, it does actually. I mean, it looks, it doesn't, it looks like an award, like you, that you would hand out at like some, you know, um, fancy award show. Well, now I, now I, you've put the, you've sown the seed. I feel like I should have <laughs> the beauty podcast awards. Okay. And I'll have mini cakes made in the shape of the microphone too. No, not cakes. You guys, no. No, you gotta you gotta make it out of something else so they can keep it. Platinum.
Well, that would be expensive, <laughs> but okay. Well, thank you for joining me. You are on a, a, a trip to London because yes. dun, 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 you are launching your range on QVC. That's right, J Manual Beauty. And yes, with QVC specifically, um, because it really allows... It really allows for people to um, really hear me and hear my voice. And it's about that communication because there really is a big point of difference with this range of cosmetics because people wonder, you know, oh, another cosmetic line. Why? You know, because they're just, no, I'm being honest. Yeah. That's just usually what people say is this, this is yet again another beauty line. And how, what's the point of difference? So, which we will talk about. And, that, and so that's why I'm here. And especially with QVC because I get to, you get to hear it from me. Yes. So tell me about why now? Why now for J Manual Beauty? So if I had to, can I give you a long answer? You can give me whatever. I, I already, I talk so much, so I don't know. This oh, my favorite kind of guest. <laughs> the people, okay, good. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it, this really is about coming um, a full 360. I mean, my whole world and how I entered kind of the, the fashion beauty business was as a makeup artist. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, because for the last... You know, 13, 14 years that you've only really known me from being on television and on various shows and hosting, co-hosting on the red carpets um, for a lot of the big award shows, etc. Um, but for me, this was about truly going back to my roots. And, and I had been asked in the past to do uh, a cosmetic range. Um, I didn't feel the time was right for many reasons, most importantly, technology. And I mean real technology because we've heard the cosmetic companies say for years, oh, and the new technology is this, and it's this, and you know, you've worked in beauty, and I've worked in beauty, and I've worked with a lot of these brands, and we know these technologies, and you can't see it in the podcast, I'm giving you air quotes, <laughs> is, um, I mean, it's just a new ingredient, it's a new story mm -hmm. to talk about it, and they put the fancy word technology in it, and spin it around, and, and they spin it around and put it in front of the consumer, I'm not about that, and J Manuel Beauty's not about that. And it really, for me, was about bringing um, innovation that I finally started seeing um, get to a point where we, we can make products that are affordable that do have technologies that are really coming from Korea. And it was, I, I travel all over the world, and this was um, literally a passion project for me. So. Um, during the hard development time of the brand, and I say that because I feel like it was more like 20 years in development, um, I was going back and forth to Korea, mm -hmm. spending time in the um, labs and working with some of the companies there and looking at their technologies and how we can bring this um, to, to really... Because the whole business as a whole, a beauty business, it's really shifting. Because one thing it was about, you know, color and delivery methods and then, you know... Um, coverage or, you know, for it to, you can still get sheer base foundations that had coverage, but the real next step is it's really about addressing texture. Mm. And we now have become accustomed to speaking with this Insta language. And I was very happy to say that um, I, you know, was obviously already working on this and we trademarked the core of the brand, which is called the Filter Finish Collection, so that's Insta language, before, you know, all the big magazines even said the Insta girls on the mm -hmm. cover and all that stuff. And it was really interesting because when we trademarked that, I thought, oh, well, someone must be using this, but mm. it's, it's genius, and no one was. And the formulas uh, under that umbrella are all patented, so, and really what makes them unique is they have filtering properties. So not just 
skin blurring, which I think really up until now you think of silicone primers and they say, oh, well, they blur the skin. My personal opinion with just a primer is that mostly it helps blendability. Mm-hmm. It, it, it helps um, if you're working with any kind of other skin or complexion product, help blend better for you. I wouldn't really say that it blurs the way people have been positioning that. Um, and so for me, I wanted to bring something to the market that actually gives you that skin blurring technology. So what I found, do you want me to just keep going? Yes. All right, because you're looking, because I can just, I'm, I'll just dive right in. So the hardest thing to convert any woman on is her foundation or concealer, because you know they're loyal, mm. right? And so they all fall under my filter finish umbrella. And most importantly, that was the thing that I wanted you know people to understand there's such an extreme point of difference. And as as someone who was a makeup artist to begin with, did you almost were you already creating the product back from the first time you ever put base on someone's face? I have been creating and mixing and working with products that I bought overseas for years. So, for example, I'll, I'll tell you a funny little story because I mean I've worked with a whole long list of celebrities mm-hmm. um, when I was a makeup artist in the time from the J Lo's to you know Iman and Iman is I'll just give a, a story with Iman that's really funny and I've. The first time I did her makeup was 18 and a half years ago. We are still very close, very like literally when I was going into bed last night here in the UK, she's texting me back and forth. So we're, we're very close. And um, the first time I did her makeup, she uh, it was interesting. I was, and I didn't meet her beforehand. And usually of, you know, uh, a celebrity of that stature, they want to meet, they want to try you out before mm-hmm. they p- throw you, let's say, in the lion's den, so to speak. And I was actually doing, um, I don't even remember the magazine, but it was a magazine cover and full spread with her. But she, um, she did request my book, and um, I was recommended to her. So she just booked me. So the first time I met her was on set, and she just, like, rolls in, no makeup, you know, hair just pulled back, and... Um, she'd always been somewhat of this uh, uh, icon of mm-hmm. mine. And so, you know, there's a preconceived notion of, you know, she, they wanted, the magazine wanted, you know, the iconic Iman look, you know. And so there's this expectation to deliver what, you know, she can deliver. Yeah. And it's really a lot of it is on me as the makeup artist. So I, I talk a lot, but I'll tell you that first time I was pretty quiet. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I did her makeup. And she just she just wanted like that, you know, a beautiful transition, nude mouth, dark, mm. smoldery eyes. And then also, you know, it's like, you know, building your base, contouring, highlighting, just but like that full mm. glam, but iconic look. So when I was done, she said, just a second. Like, mm. like and, you know, it's like a really, you know, the way she can command that presence with her voice. And, and I said, I'm, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? So she said, um... You did my makeup, and by the way, she looks dead serious, so I'm thinking I did something wrong. She goes, so you did my makeup in about half the time than anybody has ever done my makeup before. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I look retouched. So that was like the biggest compliment you could get. She loved the way she looked. Uh, From that day onwards, I was like booked for everything. And of course I had a lot of different celebrity clients I was working with at the time. And it got to the point just because of my schedule that Iman, and I could say that like, it's just so crazy to even say this, but Iman would, let's say she was doing a shoot for something. Um, and 
she needed me there. I mean, even I remember when she did the whole De Beers LV because we were here, like I came with her and we were also in Asia, et cetera. Um, she moved the schedule to fit my schedule because she wouldn't work with anyone else. Wow. And, and really, and, and what she attributed that to, because I had been asked her one day, you know, years later, I'm like, well, why, when, you know, when I was doing your makeup all the time, why did you do that? Because there are a lot of great artists out there. There really are. And she said, and it's beyond our personal chemistry and click. I mean, mm. it's a job. You, you, you need to be able to have other people work with you. She said it was really, it, it really boiled down to that. Um, she liked that skin perfecting technique that I had. I mean, even days where I was booked to work, but she had to go to, let's just say, like an event or a mm-hmm. party in the city, she would come to my apartment in the city, and I lived five minutes from her. I would do her makeup in my bathroom, and then she'd leave as I was getting ready to leave for work. Wow. So, yeah. So that's where this whole idea of skin perfecting came around, and I call this the skin perfector. The skin perfector. So this is the foundation. So, well, there are a couple I'm going to show you. So they're, they're both different, and so this one... What's so unique about it, besides the packaging, which is really because women say they love the idea of something slim that fits in their bag, Um, but no one's ever done this. Um, We've heard of Micronized Silk, so Mm -hmm. we're going to go all the way back to when I was talking about skin blurring. Micronized Silk, we've heard about it in powders, but no one's ever suspended it in a liquid before. So this is, it has a hybrid silicone base, so it's not your traditional super oily silicone, so it does give you... You can skip the primer step, so it's kind of like a one and done in that regard. One and done. You like that? I like it a lot. Okay, so it's a one and done. So you got to have your sunscreen and your moisturizer on first, but then you can go right under your skin with it. Um, but then the Micronized Silk itself, um, it does two things, which I love, because, for instance, I have oily skin, and I know you know a lot of people who struggle with oily skin always want to use products to get rid of the oil. Mm. But most ingredients strip the skin, and I'll be really technical, of the sebum. As soon as you strip strip the skin of that, the skin feels dry and then it produces more oil. So Micronized Silk does two things. One, it absorbs unwanted oil without stripping your skin. The other thing is Micronized Silk, and I'll be really crude here since we're on a podcast. You can Um, be crude. (laughs) The Micronized Silk, as it goes onto the skin, it separates away from the color particles and because the silicone allows it to kind of glide and smooth over. It turns into, I call it like spackle, because the micronized silk is what settles into your enlarged pores and those fine lines, whereas with traditional makeup, it's the makeup color that sits in that, and that's why it tends to age you a bit. Mm -hmm. So in doing so, it forces the color particles up out of enlarged pores or fine lines, and it gives an immediate smooth finish to the skin that doesn't just look like coverage, it physically looks smoother, so it's a dressing texture. So again, it's an illusion. You can't get rid of the enlarged pores or fine lines. You've got to reach to the skincare gods for that one. <laughs> but, um, but we can, from a makeup application standpoint, really kind of smooth that out. So that's game changer. It really is. And I've, I've really, one of the things I love, because, and I'll, I'm going to show you another um, formula at the same time, but a lot of beauty directors, and I've known them all for years, and when you're launching a brand, you know, they've got to look at you like they do all the other brands. And I, listen, I appreciate it. They see everything. Mm-hmm. And so to say I've got something new that's different, and they put it on, it's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. But to get notes back where one very big beauty director of one of the big magazines is converted and will not use anything else but Skin Perfector, I know I did something different. And I mean, again, to look at it, you go, oh, well, it's a liquid. Okay, it's got micronized silk. Is that just an ingredient? But 
Micronized silk does more than just adding like an antioxidant or this or that. I mean, it really makes such a visible difference right away. So you knew it was in powders. So, and you knew that it had well, a benefit it's, Well, it's not in all powders. There's just a few brands that really have captured and harnessed the power of micronized silk because most powders still use like different binders and talc, which again, ages the skin. Uh, the other thing it can do is it can leave a white cast yes, on the skin, yeah. even, which you can see more in flash photography. That's why all the weekly magazines love to post their favorite stars with the you know, the makeup oops, and you see the white, and that's talc, and that's actually what, I'll jump ahead, I have a Lux powder, and I remove the bulk of the talc, and again, use micronized silk, because then it, it's another form of airbrushing, and so that le that Lux powder, my Lux powder gives actual color payoff, mm -hmm. as well as that micronized silk, and then I have a, a, a translucent loose, which doesn't have the color payoff. How did you know which ingredients you were going to go for? So with the micronized silk, for example, mm -hmm. how did you know I, I want this and I want it in a liquid? It's understanding what the ingredients um, do. For me, I come from a science background. Um, I actually thought before I went to NYU that I was going to go into the whole medical field. Like my first summer job, my dad got me. Uh, my dad is a kidney specialist and uh, he got me a job. I worked, you'd probably never expect this glamorous side of Jay. I've never even said it in an interview. Look, they're all looking at me like, what was your first summer job? <laughs> um, my first summer job was working in the biochem lab. And I, um, of course, I was a teenager, so my, I couldn't do anything that's like really mm -hmm. crazy. But my job was, um, you know, all the blood vials that come in, yeah. you usually have to spin them down to pour the serum off, right? That was my job. You put them in the centrifuge, spin it down. You didn't know this, did you? Uh, put it in the centrifuge, spin it off, oh. pour off the serum. You cap it and then put the label on. And then the coolest thing, and I, I swear, I thought I was so cool at the time. Um, so blood gases, when a patient is in surgery, they have to always know the blood gas values. So that's a test that is gets run in the, the lab. And mm -hmm. my job was when the paperwork came up, the other part of my job, I didn't do the blood gas test because it's very specific, but you had to read the values off. So you would, there was an intercom system to the... Um, uh, different surgeries, so you just have to make sure you're dialing into the right surgery. They verify patient number and name and everything to make sure it matches the thing, and then you just read off the blood gas values. Wow. Okay, so that was the one thing that no one in the room knew. Dr. Manuel. Well, no, that sounds like my father. No. Professor <laughs> like, Manuel. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, uh, but, you know, my, my, so in terms of that kind of geeky, sciencey side of me mm. still very much exists. I'm a huge techie, and um, it didn't scare you. Pardon me. It didn't scare you. The sciencey side can be. It's complicated. Let's it is it. complicated. So I mean, and I started my, I geared my schooling towards that. So for me, I think I scare my lab technicians, my <laughs> development team. They're used to me. Um, I scare the labs at how specific I can be and how um, I understand the ingredients and what they can do because it's usually me saying this is the effect that I want to get and um, I know we can achieve it with X I've gotten into arguments with the lab if you want to know quite truthfully um, when it comes to pigment load and um, and I just force them through stability testing and I know that we can get it where it needs to be. So, for instance, another um, formula I want to show you, I'm going to show you in a shade that, well, I don't have quite your shade, but I'll, so I'll put this here. 
kind of, I'm, you're going to be my demo. So yes. everybody won't be able to see this at home, but I want your <laughs> reaction because then you're going to be able to tell. I'm intrigued to know how many samples you get. How, when do you sign something off if you're that much of a perfectionist? Have they um, ever said to you, we can't do another one? We, we can't. This is the hundredth sample. They, they can't say no, <laughs> no, no. But I, I do multiple. I mean, it's gotten to a point where they said, uh, so for the with the Photo Illusion Concealer, did we talk about that? Not yet. Okay, we're going to talk about it in a minute. But I will tell you this. It got to the point with that in terms of submissions. They said, you're going to miss the launch date. And I said, well, then that's fine. I mean, it doesn't. It make doesn't make sense to launch something that's substandard or not what you wanted. I mean, it's a launch date, and what is that anyway? It's just a date of launch. This is why I love talking to brand creators because they're all the same. They will all ring up the lab and say, "It just needs a little bit more of this, or a little bit more of that, or a little less of this." Well, also because, um, and especially in this environment where I feel that. People are educated, I mean, the consumer's educated like the editors. I mean, and I think it's, I really give the credit to the editors because they've been educating the consumer what to look for. And so they've kind of taught themselves how to really look for things. And so again, and when we, when we get to speaking about that, you'll understand why, it, you know, I, it took a minute to get there. Mm. So this was also one of those, um, and you know what, I'll go even lighter a shade so you can see. It's one of these things that... Um, People don't even believe that there could be coverage with this. So if I use exactly your shade, you won't see the magic. So I'm going to go, this is uh, a light number two. Okay. I do every, all of my foundations in categories of light, medium, and deep. Because everyone knows, if I even just say that, people are listening. I'm going, mm -hmm. oh, I know I'm in the light category. Oh, I know I'm in the medium category. I know I'm in the deep category. And then within those categories, I have the, the oh. shade numbers one through. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hate quirky names like caramel and all that so it doesn't even make sense terracotta sunset yeah it's like what does that mean everyone's terracotta sunset's different and then you know what i mean it's like ugh. okay so i'm gonna use your hand yes please do um first of all we won't talk about it too much manicured. but the pack the packaging this is your actually a tool this is i mean it looks chic it's That's like this so i love the kind of chunky lid and i, I like things to be asymmetrical, et cetera. But aside from being aesthetic, it's because women would always say to me, they love pro palettes, those flat yes. steel mixing things, yes. but then they say their counter gets messed up because it's flat. So this is actually a bowl. So to go through the custom tooling to do something like this, I just wanted people to have a tool that came with one of the products. So that's number one. So, so you can you can put it in here, but I'm going to use your back of your hand. Yeah. Make it, uh, I'll get a little closer for a sec. Turn your hand sideways. Now, you're not allowed to touch it at first. Okay. So this is a powder to cream foundation. What? Okay. Doesn't look like it. So, but it looks like powder though, it right? It looks like powder. So when I say powder to cream, you probably think, most people correct me, by the way. They said, you mean cream I to powder. I wouldn't do it. Okay. You've learned that that far? Okay. <laughs> so people think, and by the way, what is cream to powder anyway? It's cream that dries. Mm-hmm. Why do they call it cream to powder? because it sounds good, mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's cream, and now it's powder. <laughs> really? I can put water there, and it can turn to... Do you know what I mean? Like, it just dries. Yeah. So anyway, this is powder to cream, and I, the reason I want you to see it is I'm going to dump a lot on your hand, and you can even see it with the sunlight coming in. It, like, floats away. You can spill it. It looks... I'm putting a lot on just on purpose, so you can just see it looks like bone, bone, bone dry, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is going to be awful on my skin. What if I told you it's not powder? Look at that. I'm loving your face. I wish they could see that. Take, blend the rest of that in. Feel it. Oh my, what? That is witchery. 
I know, and that's what usually people say. And look what fell into the tissue. This still looks like just loose, loose. Look, I can even just spin it around. It looks like loose, dry powder. And oh, it no, is, he didn't. And here's the thing. Now let me ask you. I'm going to flip the mic around. Have you ever seen something like that before? No. Ever and in all your years of doing beauty? No. And for the listeners, imagine that you had just put a loose powder on the back of your hand, and then when you go in to blend it, the texture, what you feel, is like a liquid foundation, it a creamy. Ins- liquid it instantly foundation. creams, and if we're looking at your hand right now, um, and and we'll talk about if you notice, usually you probably know this, obviously, when you put foundation on the back of your hand. Um, the hand has like little cracks and pores that usually exaggerates them. You don't see it as much, and here's the reason why. The blurring action in here for something to be so fine is genuine diamond dust. And I don't mean diamond in quotes. I knew I liked it. Yeah, there you go. And I don't mean diamond in quotes, and I don't and this is not your shade, by the way. I know, but yeah. I'm actually loving it. <laughs> oh, okay. But I mean you would be probably like our medium for for your face, mm-hmm. you'd probably be our medium too, but it's fine. Um, we just use a light shade, but that, then at least you can see, and if I actually put a little more on, what's great, and I like to, when I'm on air, I like to demo, well here, I'll put it on my back of my hand. So why I like demoing a light shade on my hand, not this light, but light, is you can see coverage, because if it can yeah. cover my skin tone, mm-hmm. imagine the coverage with imperfections. And here's the thing, the blurring action from diamond dust is cool. Diamonds don't give you a glittery or a shimmery effect. Diamonds, by their very the nature of the property of the stone, it refracts light. Mm-hmm. So when you refract light, you actually lose detail. So as an illusionary tactic, when you put diamond dust in, and now even something that's in a special formula like this, you put on your skin, not only in a photo, and that's why we did this whole no filter challenge with people, but in person, People don't see mm. the fine lines and the imperfections. I'm sorry, the fine lines and the enlarged pores as much. So now we're going back to addressing texture again, yes. which was the whole reason for the filter finish collection. And I love that your face, and, and, and I love <laughs> seeing this, especially with someone who's got an experience and background in beauty, to see something happen like that. Because again, and it's funny, I usually sit with editors and they just keep dumping it on their hand because they just, and you can do it again if yeah. you want to feel it. Because they, it, I want you to kind of think about it now. Imagine, and before you blend that, imagine if you're, because this will still move until you touch it. So I like to demo it with, I mean, I use my double-ended kabuki brush. You could use a blender tool or you could use um, foundation brush or uh, even a powder brush because while it's on the implement. It stays in this extremely fine, looks like fine, and I'll put this in quotes again, powder. But I want to stress, there is no powder or mattifying property in here. What this is, now you can play with it more you want. If you notice, it melts. So if you hit it, you'll notice the powder will just dust away. But imagine if you dusted this over your skin, then it melts into the skin, and you notice it didn't streak. Mm Because whereas liquids, creams, mousses, sticks... Just as you put it on your skin, you get a line, and then your job as the artist is to blend it. But a consumer is not an artist. So it's you're always at the mercy of how good that person's mm-hmm. hand is. So the real reason I came up with this and is because so many women would say, I love the ease. And when they mean powder, they mean these foundations that have been marketed as loose powders. They say... You know, that if you've got great skin, it's great because 
it just kind of evens you out. Yeah. If you have any skin concern, you've got to go in with a heavier concealer or what have you. But women would say to me, I love the ease of a powder, but I really want the performance of a liquid. And that's yeah. where this idea was born from because you can dust it on with a kabuk with a powder brush, a kabuki brush, whatever you want. Mm. And um, it has full coverage, but if you dust just a little of this powder on, it melts into your skin and it perfects it differently. Melt but it's completely the right word. It completely. It's 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 melted into my skin. I, I love how you're a little t- you're tongue tied with it because it's weird because it is one of those things that when people put it on they don't realize that it just melts in but then it leaves you mm. with coverage and um, and again this blurred finish but it really is something that is just unique and I, I I love to again share it because people say often and I've sat down with some editors who are. They've been doing this a long time, and they kind of want to say, yeah, okay, now impress me. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of the face. Yeah. And I just go, oh, well, here, why don't you try this? I've actually done it. It's kind of like, I'll call it my, (laughs) um, I I borrowed that from my top model persona. So with those, instead of explaining the product, I just go, oh, here, why don't you just try this? And they'll take the little powder, and like every editor, they put a little on, and they they think they're just going to blend it away. And they're like, what is this? So when they touch it and they feel that it melts, yeah. it freaks them out, and then I give the explanation after. So it's almost sometimes great to not tell those professionals what it really does, just let them figure it out. And it's, yeah, it's insane. I am a bit tongue-tied about it, because I haven't ever seen anything like that. And even though it's... Um, too light for me I can see that it's blurring mm-hmm. it's definitely giving me coverage um, but even this shade doesn't look fake or talky or anything oh it well looks- yeah this shade this light number two for someone who is light too it's a true flesh mm-hmm. tone and I really I worked very hard and actually all of for the complexion shades where we actually got the color um, from I'm, I'm not talking formula now mm-hmm. I really went to my own palettes because I had these palettes and I mean I don't, I don't use them anymore as an artist um, just because of my TV career, but I went to that palette and said, now, see, this will be my light, this, this will yeah. be this, 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 and that's how I did the shade range. I love shoots, and I love, I, I, and it must be quite <clears> annoying <throat> sometimes, I pour over makeup artist kit. Yes. Tell me about, because we have to talk about your career as a makeup artist, because that's how you started. Mm-hmm. When, do you remember the first time you did somebody's makeup? And what was the experience? Was it an emotional one of transforming somebody, or was it play? What's the what was the reason for you becoming a makeup artist? Hmm. The first time, oh my gosh, it came in. Well, it, the first time I, I would have to say it, it was probably definitely on my sister. Um, she would have been the first person I ever put makeup on, um, and yeah, you, wow, you're really making me think. Um, <laughs> You know, I I think it was the transformative aspect of it that was so intriguing to me. Um, I mean, beyond glamour makeup, which is really what I'm known for, um, I love doing um, effects makeup. I love doing theatrical stuff. That's why usually for Halloween, there's so much pressure for me because (laughs) I feel like I've got to do something that's kind of cool. The last few years I've done, I've, I've I think I've really topped it off because if the big fashion mags are putting me in the top 20 best dressed, because I usually go to Heidi Klum's uh, haunted Halloween party, I think I did a good job. But um, yeah, so I like... I'm going to have to go through the archives now. 
Yeah, well, I, I, after I'll show you. I got pictures on my phone. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I like to, I like to to play. I think I like that, and I, I think really that you know the the messaging behind my brand is not about you know putting makeup on and 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 being someone else. For me, it's really about this journey back to self. Mm-hmm. I, I, I literally I say it's about a path to you. And, and I'm not trying to sound super Eckhart Tolle, even though I love him or anything, but uh, it's, it, it just truly is, I think, what everyone's yearning for. And it's this idea of, um, you know, in social media right now, I see so many people giving away their power. And I speak to young kids, especially when I go to colleges, et cetera, and I do a, like a keynote presentation. I'll talk about this aspect because, you know, kids are being born right now into this digital age. And, and I certainly can remember when I got my first email address. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, it's a very different age right now. And, and I'm really concerned for young kids, especially because they, they go to their social media to crowdsource everything. Oh, here are four hairdos with four hair colors. Which one should I get next? Oh, here are six lipsticks. Which one should I wear for my prom or the hot date or whatever? And putting that out into the world and trying to get the world to give you an answer when everyone else is doing that, where is the you in that equation? And what I really want to go back to is a time where we self-source mm-hmm. our style instead of crowdsourcing it. Mm-hmm. And what it sounds great and it sounds buzz termy, like that's not even a word, but like it sounds like a, you know, it's like it, my podcast, we've made it a word. Okay. <laughs> there we go. It's now, that's now a word. But the point is at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, the way we present ourselves to the world is is really a reflection of who we are inside. Now, we're all born in these different vessels, but who we are is what's inside. So it's how do you translate that? And, and who is where are you in the equation for that? So I really wanted to make um, people aware that self-sourcing is far more empowering. Mm. And um, and really, you know, I've, I've had an incredible career and having the opportunity to work with amazing visionaries like creative visionaries and and so many women and and I realized throughout my career which is now going back to your original question of why now that um, beyond that the technology and I mean real technology is here now to bring something that's not exorbitantly expensive from that blurring mm-hmm. action and and that filter finish collection but also you know, working with these women, they've helped me realize that they instinctively always put themselves in the categories of classic, iconic, and avant-garde. And if you think about it, and I'm more than, I'm like, I'm open. So if anyone can think of another category I'm missing, um, I just wanted to make the, the presentation of the entire line empowering as well. So the core of the brand where everyone should start are their filter finish needs, right? And then beyond that, I put everything in these categories of classic, excuse me, iconic and avant-garde. And um, literally created these pillars where now, because women would always say to me, oh, if I go to the beauty counter, I can't find myself. Because it's so overwhelming to walk up to all of these brands. It's just like you walk up and they've got every eyeshadow on one section and all this and another. And it's like where now you got to find something that a works with your 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 color signature and what is really 
speaking to you. So I wanted to take that guesswork out as well. So all you really have to know is, are you a classic girl or an iconic girl? Maybe you're both, or maybe you're a little avant-garde on the weekend. Then I've done that guesswork for you within all the product categories. It's kind of like going to skincare and having dry combination or normal mm-hmm. and knowing, right, okay, that, that's my tribe. I'm just going to, I can discard exactly. the rest. You can, you can go to avant-garde and be like, right, I know that I'm safe here. I can play within this. Yeah. Pattern. And it doesn't mean do, do things that like, for instance, I've got like the, in all the, the imagery with, we call it the iconic imagery with me, with the girl with the red lips and the glasses. Um, that's a popular seller. It's my thrust red lipstick. It's a true blue red. It's called thrust. Um, it's a good name. It's a good name. <laughs> Um, and that is an iconic red, but that doesn't mean I don't have a classic red. And my classic red is Siren, and it's a very different red. That's a good name too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so it's not that like, oh, if you want a red, then I'm an iconic girl. No, I've just tempered the shades mm-hmm. to work with what I think a classic woman, and that really comes from my experience. Um, and so that's what I brought into um, some of the the color products. I'm going to ask, you mentioned Eckhart Tolle. Yes. And um, the millennials, we can perhaps say. Sure. Um, I have often asked podcast guests previously um, if they are reading people like that. (laughs) And particularly creatives often, uh, how do I say this? They can get quite big, their character can be quite big. And at some point they kind of take stock. And that's sometimes when they produce their best work. And I'm wondering if, did you have a period of taking stock just before you came up with the range? Did I take a period? Um, I wouldn't say a period. I can tell you what, well, it, what is interesting is while I was working on the line, um, there were a lot of different things going on in my life and I was, you know, really shocked by, you know, a, um, you know, I think a lot of people are affected by cancer and I had a family member diagnosed and watching them go through that and, and treatment and come, going in with a very, you know, serious um, uh, diagnosis and, you know, living with someone and watching someone go through that is, you know, very emotional. And, and I was working on formulas at the time. And um, but for me, the reason I said it, there wasn't a specific period of taking stock is because I've always been a person with with my from when I was even a makeup artist, before being on TV and everything, there's it's a whirlwind. Um, this whole business is a whirlwind. And um, I found that I needed a place where I could reset. I'm not, you know, a lot of people love to go out and have their drink at the end of the night or do whatever, and that's fine. I, I don't drink. Um, and it's not because I've had a problem with alcohol. I just, I'm allergic to histamine and wine. I don't like hard liquor. So I never had this thing to kind of, and so for me, I started, I found books that had daily readings to my, and no matter what, and just like today, no matter what time I have to get up, even if I have like a 5 a.m. call time, I spend on a, like on a 5 a.m. day, it's probably more like 20 minutes. Um, but other days on the weekends, it can be easily 40, 45 minutes. And I read from these different readings and on weekends specifically, and I still do, I do writing and it's all in one document. I've often thought one day I might, I might publish the whole thing um, because it's what I've absorbed from all these different, the wisdom of, from all these different people. And Eckhart Tolle specifically, um, and very specifically, A New Earth, when I read it, 
Um, it was one of those books similar to the Tibetan book of living and dying. It's not a book that you can just quickly mm-hmm. get through. So, and, and with a new earth, like I kind of read a page and I'd have to reread the page and reread the page this third time. And it was so powerful to me because it was the book that gave me this, that it did give me a new world. So it, 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 I experienced my new earth and it kind of awakened me in a different way. And um, so he um, personally, and I think it was probably at Oprah's behest, um, went on to social media and he does not have other people uh, do his social media similar to mine, my, my personal accounts. Uh, if I write back, that is me and that is my voice. So I chose to, uh, the first time to re- when I reached out to him was through Twitter. I tweeted him uh, like four different tweets and with questions and he answered me. And he, Eckhart Tolle does not know who I am at all. Like, who am I? You know what I mean? But he answered me and then, but that did make me realize that, oh, I need to write this man. And then I wrote him a proper letter. And it was, it was really powerful just in that you got, you get a response and a wisdom with someone that you greatly admire. And so for me, I, I think that creative space and, and especially the world I work in because not just the beauty world but also the entertainment world and I have other projects in development for the TV world that yeah they they expect the personality person and you're dealing with other big personalities and you know big uh, producers and egos and all that so <laughs> you need a place to take stock for sure well uh, much like many of the listeners I'm sure I first met you on America's Next Top mm-hmm. Model and when I knew I was going to be interviewing you, I was like, what was my, like, think, just off the top of your head, what's your first impression? And it was always that you were very steady. Hmm, really? Mm. And I would have thought sometimes the way they edit the show, <laughs> that it was like eye rolls, sarcasm, um, and, and that's really not the person that I am. And But steady in knowing who you are. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. I'll take that. That's a problem. <laughs> and um, I wondered, like you say, the, the industry can be quite flamboyant and loud. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seems to me that the people who are able to last a really long time are the ones who can find somewhere quite quiet in and amongst all the noise. Yeah, well, it's, it's a couple different things. Um, I, I'm probably a product of my parents. You know, they really, you know, I, I have a very close family uh, and... You know, I remember the advice that my mom, specific, it was, I mean, I was laying on my parents' bed. It was the day I was like moving to New York and I was going to go to NYU. I was 19 and I was just chatting with my parents and I remember my mom saying to me, she goes, I want you to just remember one thing, no matter whatever you go off and do, that there is always going to be someone who is like 10 times richer, 10 times better to like... And then there'll always be someone who's, you know, uh, you know, there'll, be, there'll always be 10 people poorer or, or not as talented or this or that. So in terms of don't ever compare yourself and know that wherever you are, you're at that stage where you're supposed to be and that you need to embrace that. And I think she said that to me because I was always a person who, especially when I was younger and I've learned to kind of get over it. I, I loved instant gratification and I had become this perfectionist. And I still work very hard, but I don't say I'm a perfectionist anymore. That doesn't mean I don't give it 150%. Mm. The word perfection to me means that 
there's fear involved and that you've you you want this veil and and you you want to create this this wall of protection um, with your perfectionism so that you're impenetrable to criticism mm -hmm. and I think that was what she was trying to ward me off of and it was something I still had to learn mm -hmm. and um, so yeah I, I, I you know one of the things that I even would I'd say to the girls I, I say it to still people today you know if you want to be a part of this business um, in whatever regard whether it's model, makeup artist, set director, creative director, editor, like whatever, fat journalist, um, you have to realize there, there does become a point where you and who you are is completely separate from the brand of what you, who you are. You know, it's like, you, and, and again, that applies to everyone, not just the star and the model on the middle of the set. But the photographer, because the photographer has to follow this persona um, or the editor who's working at this specific magazine that has to have a certain affect, that doesn't mean that's who you really are. So I always tell people, you know, keep yourself separate from your brand, even if your brand is who you are, because um, most people will end up, you know, at some point, if you're successful, they'll love you. They'll say, oh, yeah, you're great. We love you. Thanks. Da da da. Um, which could give you an over-inflated sense of self. Mm. Um, but then, when, because there is a when, it's one of those things that Iman and I would always talk about, um, they always come at you and they'll always tear you down. And the thing is, if you keep your brand separate from who you are, it doesn't, you don't implode. Mm. So you can hear the negative. It's, it's not fun, but it's there. And that doesn't mean it's there to stay and it's not you. Wow. You didn't expect that. We came to talk about beauty. No, that's great. No, it's great advice. <laughs> it's great podcast advice. I love it. Yeah. I'm also really interested. Um, I'm definitely somebody who has heard the same, um, who's been given the same advice many times in my life. Maybe this, my mum would have said something to me at 15. She said it to me again at 25. And she said it to me again at 35. And I've interpreted it differently each time. Mm -hmm. That advice when you were lying on your parents' bed and your mum was talking to you, mm -hmm. Did you, um, did you grow with that advice? Did it mean one thing for you when you were 19 and then maybe 10 years later mm -hmm. you appreciated another element of it a bit more and it kind of grew with you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it. I, I use that today. I mean, when you... I, and I don't know when this change happened. You know, in the business, uh, especially in uh, you know fashion and beauty, let's just talk about that, when... You know, people love newness, right? They love newness. Oh my God, when it's new, the new model, the new it bag, you know, yeah. the it cosmetic, you know, whatever it is, it's brand new. When it's brand new, there's hoopla. But as we know, anything that has longevity is about growth, sustainability. Uh, and that's the non-sexy part that, that nobody wants to talk about. It's like after it's new, the thing that everyone wants to talk about, what else do you have that's new? They don't want to talk about what's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, what, what, and, and the way I interpret my mom's advice is, you know, once, I mean, we had a lot of great fanfare when we launched in the US and Canada. Um, and, you know, we surpassed our plan and we did like 216% of plan, which is, and for a new beauty brand, that's pretty crazy. And then 
again, with the Filter Finish Collection, which is the core of the brand, um, which are all of the complexion products, um, that made up 59% of uh, total sales. And as we know, that's the hardest category mm. to convert any woman on. So that was great. It was great to start off with that. But the part that, that I kind of take away from my mom is that we're still a new brand. We're expanding. We're now in the UK and we're launching other ter territories. And eventually the whole plan is was rolling into brick and mortar with a very specific, you know, start, you know, on, you know, my on-air partners like QVC UK to really allow me to tell the story. Like if I had this powdered cream sitting on a shelf, no one would know. They'll look at that and think it's a loose powder. Mm. So the only way to really get across this extreme point of difference with all of the products is to be that voice. So that was part of that plan. So for me, the way I interpret what my mom said is that I, um, it's okay to be here. Even though the newness bloom, mm -hmm. I mean, it's new here in the UK, but in the US, they're all talking, all, everyone wants to hear what are the products I'm coming out with in 2017. Yeah. But I don't want to get on that treadmill of just being stuck in the new, 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 new. I do believe in again, longevity and sustainability, you know, the core products are fantastic. I'm proud of them. Um, and of course we'll do new, but it's okay to still be overall new and growing. And I think in a world where everyone wants to be, you know, the next Apple computer, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's great. You can watch these, they're fantastic documentaries. I don't know if you read the book, you know, the, the Steve Jobs book and you really get to experience the journey, but a lot of people forget there's this whole growth period, which is, again, it's, it's the not sexy part. Well, it's just the instant gratification yeah. generation of, I want to be a pop star, I want to be famous, I want to have a million subscribers. Well, it's interesting you bring that up as an example, because that's even a different thing. When it comes to companies, everyone, once you're new, and then once you're proving yourself, then they want to know all top line numbers, and where you distributed, and blah, 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 because then they just want you to go from brand new, which is small, to the most ginormous whatever. And I mean, who can be, you know, one of the, and then those giants that have been around again for so many years. But that's the other thing too. I think a lot of people who get into the business, it's all about, they're trying to capitalize on fame. And that word fame has taken on a whole other kind of uh, life of its own because And, and we would ask this on America's Next Top Model. We would catch it in the casting. Girls would come in and, you know, we'd either I would say it or Tyra would say it. I'm like, so why do you want to be a model again? And they really can't verbalize it, but you can see it in their eyes right away. Um, you know, if you don't really look up to or know many models or you don't know anyone in the business, you've never even heard of any of the major designers or photographers, and you can't articulate why you want to be a model, and then typically it ends up, and we'd force an answer, they just think it's glamorous and people know who they are, and that means for them that you get this badge of honor. Oh, I'm a top model, and now that means I'm beautiful. It means, you know what I mean? It means something to them, and that is not a reason to do anything mm. at all. I mean, I could tell you, um, you know, some people may have thought initially, oh, he's starting a line and it's just my name on the packaging, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could rattle off probably every formula 
like literally the formula. <laughs> I don't know if I would do it in the right hot order. Quiz, hot shot. <laughs> no, do not put me on that. But I can tell you the ingredients of every last thing, maybe not in the exact order. Um, but but I'm really involved soup to nuts. And it's for me, it's about passion. That was one of the things I was curious about is that having done America's Next Top Model, having done all those interviews and everything, I wondered if you had an informed opinion about what ambition looks like and whether it changed how you're ambitious. Oh, that's a good question. I like that question. <laughs> um, it has. It has. You know, first of all, everything happens for a reason, for sure. I had a whole and very successful career before I was ever on television doing anything, even like makeovers. I used to do, by the way, a whole series of the Oprah makeover shows before people even knew who I was. I was just this guy and I remember the first time you know when Oprah you know at the end of the show she's like thanking people for being there it was like the second show I did and and um in it where, where she says and Jay Manuel for makeup and I'm just like and Oprah said my name I'm like I couldn't even believe it one degree of separation away yeah. from Oprah here. <laughs> okay so um so but I had a whole career of you know as an artist and for me I got to work with a lot of my clients um, it's so funny. I was just talking to Vanessa Williams about this the other day, um, you know, because we would have so much fun uh, on press, uh, on movie junkets. So um, where it's, you know, where you sit and as we all know, the, the stars sit and then all the, you know, um, they just, the, <laughs> yeah. the uh, journalists come through and they get an interview. And um, to me, that was somewhat my own training ground for doing, because I've now then, for the various shows I've been working on, or even, you know, like today, you know, sitting down and meeting with different editors and yourself, you know, talking about the makeup, you get used to, you, you see kind of how that works. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some celebrities handle it well, and I've seen some handle it not so well. And also, I think the people that I admire, um, and, and a lot of the people that I worked with, I, I, I admired their the real persona. I think it's just always treating everybody as you would, you'd want to be treated. And, and I mean, I really do just look at it as it's, you know, it's just being real. I, I think I've, that's one of the things that I've always done, even on Top Model or when I've been, was, was doing interviews on the carpet. I try to keep it real. I wasn't trying to be somebody else. And that's really the advice I always tell people. It's like, be yourself. I mean... It's good enough. It, I mean, it, and that's and that at the end of the day is no matter who you are, is the question that everybody asks themselves: Are we good enough? And I can tell you this, Giselle. We look at her and we'll say she is like the isn't she like the officially of all time now the highest paid hey. supermodel yeah. of all time. I've been on many. I used to do a ton of the Victoria's Secret shoots just so that you know, and flown around with the, and shot in the Caribbean and all that. Giselle, as soon as she's done shooting, she rips the towel and covers herself. She was always, you'd think, like she'd walk around covering Nothing, herself up, yeah. her bottom up. And, you know, everybody has this thing, whatever it is, um, but really that's attached to something that's even greater. Because mm. aesthetics at the end of the day, you know, as you grow older, you might not care. You're like, you know, so what? You know, I don't have the best this or that. And it doesn't really matter. You can, most people, can get to that point with themselves. 
But really that good enough thing comes from something way deeper and it's about the essence of who we are and I think that's really our journey. Mm. And, um, and that's why even with J. Manuel Beauty, I wanted it to be about going back to self. It's funny you brought this up because I did an event in New York. Um, it was called a Discover You event. And literally up to, I drove, and she's sitting in the room, poor Patricia, really crazy, who's our marketing director of marketing. And so, like, the night before, now this event is set up. It's a huge consumer event. We were going to do, like, a talk. I had these panelists. And then we were going to release people to an experience. It was an experiential, like, so you, it was not only just about makeup. Um, we had top, we had skincare, fragrance, hair, all this stuff, but it was about this whole experience. So um, I said, I called them up the day before and I said, I'm changing the whole opening of the panel. I said, it's not, it just doesn't resonate with me. Like she's sitting there laughing and they're all thinking, and I could just imagine more, they're in the office and they're saying he wants to change the beginning. So, and we'd already done the walkthrough. It's set up. We took over a whole theater in New York. So the talk started in the theater area and I said, okay, there's a screen, right? I want to do a movie clip first and I want the whole room dark and I've got this and she, I could just tell because she was very quiet on the phone, <laughs> is probably panicking and I said, I'm just switching it up. But I was doing it because I was literally pulled to do this. Um, I don't know where it came from, but I wanted to show a clip. One of my favorite clips is from the original Matrix film. Um, oh, good. I love it. I know the hands too. It's, it's the most, one of the most quotable films. Okay. I, yeah. And I know the script. I have the script. And just so that you know, if you want a little tidbit, people don't know, because this was my time as a makeup artist. It was right when we were starting Top Model. I was still doing makeup at the time. But the junket for the second, the movie junkets for the second two films, um, I was working because, you know, Jada was in the yes, film. Yes. So I was doing the junket. So, of course, I got to meet with the directors more importantly, because I'm a techie nerd. The guy who developed the whole bullet time you know where now yes. every commercial does it where you can freeze frame and arc and move with the 360 array yeah. so I told you I can talk a lot so I'll pack it in here um, but the first film I was obsessed with from its its true meaning and the film was brilliantly done because there were all these people who went to it and if you remember at the time when that film came out the trailer the previews was just matrix code and you heard talking mm -hmm. and that was it but it enticed the audience. I remember opening night, especially in New York, it was like sold out everywhere. And um, that film was so powerful in its messaging. And for those of you who haven't, who are listening and haven't maybe watched the original Matrix film, the first one, rent it, download it. I mean, mm. I, I carried it, it's, it's on my iPad. So I said to them, I was like, I wanna go to the Oracle scene when Neo, by the way, by the way, one of my dog's names is Neo, just so you know, because he is the one. So that's how obsessed I am. I'm a real film geek, and I just made a noise that I will desperately want to edit out, but I can't. <laughs> that was such a girly. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, one of my dog's names is Neo. So anyway, when Neo goes to meet the Oracle in the first meet, in the, in the first movie, um, it's the scene where she, she, the Oracle is in the kitchen. She's making cookies, and he walks in, and he said, "Oh, are you the Oracle?" And she goes, not what you expected, is it? So I said, I want the scene to start right there. And I want it to end at right where her big core advice to him is. And so it was about a two and a half minute clip. 
And they said, okay. And I said, I just want, I think everyone that's coming to this has a sense of what they think this is. It's like, oh, it's a beauty event and there's da 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 and there's going to be wine and ugh. And I've been to a ton of those. <laughs> and I just was like, no, I we, we need to dig deeper because this is about something deeper and it's much more personal for me. So everyone is seated in the theater and then we made it go black. And then um, someone came on the, the kind of the overhead speaker and they said, I forget the words that she used, but she basically said, you know, you, you, know, you came here for a reason um, and there's a reason you're sitting in this seat, but you really want to know the reason why. And so we'll see how far down the rabbit hole we go, which is kind of a little bit of the matrix thing. And then this scene starts and you can imagine all these people that came here for a huge beauty event and an inspiring talk. We had like great trailblazers sitting on the panel. We were going to have a talk. They expected that. But um, now they're watching this huge clip because it's a huge stage. It's just like full bleeds here like at the movies. And they're like, what is going on? <laughs> so it's right at the Oracle scene. And the reason for that was because that scene is, is probably is so deep because she basically says to Neo, because he's there to find out if he's the one. Mm -hmm. And she said, so, well, let me take a look at you. And, and she says, well, you already know what I'm going to tell you. And he looks back at her and he goes I'm not the one am I and she goes sorry kid you're not the one but you got the gift something's holding you back she, so that was where we kind of ended mm. that moment and I came out and, and I said to people you probably didn't expect to see that clip today and if you didn't know by now it's one of my favorite films but the reason I specifically focused on that scene was because Neo was there to get validation from the Oracle and she knew that mm. So that's why she asked him, so, well, you already know what I'm going to tell you. And she's, that was her test of, because if you are the one, you would say you're the one. Mm -hmm. But he questioned whether he was the one. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we all know he becomes the one by the end of the film. But he does so on his own accord. I mean, he turns inward. And that's the power right there. And that's where I leapt off and did the transition into this idea of, you know, self-empowerment and talking about self-sourcing versus crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. It's about going inward. And because that's what Neo did. He went in and then that's where he made that realization. Then he didn't need the Oracle to tell him he was the mm -hmm. one. But she also said to him at that time what he needed to hear, which is you're not the one because you have to know it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said so. Then I just kind of went into, it was a natural segue into Social media today, we crowdsource, we don't self-source. Putting that power back into your, your giving yeah. it to yourself and really being, you know, truly um, the person who can really live, you know, your essence in how you, and you, as you kind of put your imprint on this mm. world. And, and that's what I wanted to do. And so it, it went off without a hitch, although everyone was scrambling a little bit, but you know. That's, that's what happens. So. That's incredible. I love, I adore that. I love yeah. the Matrix reference. And by the way, it was perfect because everyone <laughs> was thrown and I purposely wanted a silent room. Like, what is going on? Like, what does this have to do with makeup? And then when I was done that chat and then we brought the people out, um, the panelists, they were so ready to engage. And I had already prepped them. We were really going to go deep, mm -hmm. not just talk about what allowed them to become trailblazers. But... Oh my God, the, the, the energy in the room, you could hear a pin drop 
which, you know, a lot of these kind of talks, you could sometimes hear murmuring in the theater. But um, what I found really uh, interesting and what surprised me was that going through the rooms, because there was, there was a lot going on after everyone got to go experience, I could hear people's conversations. Because I walked through just to thank everyone and say hello. But um, people were having very different conversations, conversations of self um, and again, this thing, uh, this what we just talked about, about worthiness. Mm-hmm. And people came up to me and said, you know, oh, my friend bought a ticket to this event. She had an extra ticket and she brought me. I didn't know I was coming. And I needed to have this conversation today. You know, oh, I'm, oh you know, I just left my job. Or, and a few people said that to me. And, and so what I would like to do, and I think it was always my intention beyond the technology beyond the fantastic products and colors and et cetera. And we didn't even touch on all of them, but beyond all of that, I really wanted to bring mindfulness mm-hmm. to beauty in a way that's different. And I've worked in the beauty world for over 20 years. So, and I don't see anybody really talking about that. And it can be something that can make women or anyone more insecure as opposed to really bolstering their confidence and and you can do yes we're still what we're, we're reaching out we're reaching for like photo illusion concealer i've got dark circles oh you're going to say it's a flaw but if you come at it from a very different angle and, and from a, the standpoint of mindfulness it, it, it can and that the power is really in your hand it can be much more powerful mm. wow are you doing more of these events we are, we are planning on doing it every year. We're going to try and do it in different places. We don't know. Do one in London, please. <laughs> Maybe we might. We're, yeah, we love yeah that discover you because it's really about discovering you. And that must be. Um, we touched earlier on the fact that when you did makeup and you saw the transformation, not just the, you know, from no makeup to having makeup, but also the emotional transformation, Absolutely. the confidence. This is a completely different way of transforming somebody to being more confident it's it's a transformation it's an inner transformation I like to look at it like that and and yeah you know the tra- the idea of transformation just in general even the physical it's still seeing the expression on people's faces and by the way I, I don't ever really talk about it a lot in the press I mean I, or and I never do photo ops but what I just because I feel like it can take away but I have and still do spend a lot of time uh, in women's shelters because I kind of feel like part of what I'm here to do is about helping people see themselves and see beyond the physical and, and what's on the outside. And, and there's, you know, th- there are so many women that have, you know, suffered, you know, horrible um, experiences in their lives. And, and it's interesting, uh, when I was in my, my late 20s, I met uh, Alma Thomas, who is a famous, she's a, kind of like a sports psychologist, like, well, I, she's not even a sports psychologist, she's a psychologist, but she helps and, and coaches a lot of Olympic athletes. And um, we met randomly at an event, and we had a conversation. I didn't really know who she was, and I talk a lot. I was younger. I was, that's when I would talk first instead of listen. I try to listen first and then talk. Uh, I'm a little better about it now. And, um, but she was really, um, she kind of liked my, I guess, naivete, but she also liked my message. And she asked me to, it was probably the first big thing I ever spoke at. I was 
kind of freaked out. I, uh, but she asked me to open for her at this big kind of lecture she was giving in Washington, D.C. I was in New York. It's a train ride. But I thought, oh, my God, and who am I? I mean, to do this, she just liked my message. And this was before any of the television stuff. I was just a makeup artist. But she just liked the, the message that, you know, that the working on the outside can heal from the inside. And I think at that time, if I went back and heard what I said uh, and actually listened to it, um, I would probably hate the way I delivered it. But at <laughs> being so young, but that was definitely the beginning and the building block for where I am today. And who knows where that grows from here. Wow. I'm excited to watch your journey. I'm excited to see where it goes. Oh, cool. It's really fascinating. Well, thank you. And I'm thrilled and excited about Jane Manuel Beauty coming to the UK. And I uh, do some work with QVC. Um, I'm dripping in Diamondique, and I'm very excited <laughs> to see it flow. Oh, cool. Right. These, these are 4 carat deep flawless simulated diamonds, by the way. And they and it looks <laughs> they look so real. Right? You should yeah. see the gallery. I'll take them off in a minute. I'm Alison O'Reilly, the Diamondique host, who you may meet when you're in there next week. Okay. It's, it's phenomenal. Oh, wow. Um, but I know that our time is coming to an end. And okay. I've already taken up so much of it, but thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It was a fun chat. It was incredible. Yeah. I have one Jerry Springer final thought, last question. Sure, go ahead. How many dogs do you have? Two. Okay, if one's called Neo, what's the other one called? It's good. <laughs> well, it sounds kind of basic, but it's, she's, it's not. Her name's Bella. Is and it from Twilight? No, <laughs> no. And I have a Bella Blush named after her. Um, specifically, and I have a Neo pencil. Wait, what? Oh, I'm gonna. Is there one in the goodie bag? <laughs> a I'm, Neo pencil. There is. I'm sure we can find one here in this room. There's a Neo pencil. So, the reason Neo and Bella, they're Isabella Dachshunds. And Isabella Dachshunds are very rare. Everyone asks me, they're like, are those miniature Weimar Rhymers? Because they look silver. You can go on my Instagram feed, I post photos of them all the time. They look. Um, <laughs> Uh, which is, by the way, it's at Mr. J. Manuel, like M-R, yes. J-A-Y-M-A-N-U-E-L. Because when I joined Twitter and Instagram, there were all these fake accounts, but they, they were trying to pretend to be me, and I couldn't do a J. Manuel, so I just did, everyone called me Mr. J, so yeah. I did Mr. M-R. Oh, because it's Mr. Yeah, oh. yeah, Mr. Miss, yeah. So anyhow, the, um, yeah, so they're, they're Isabella Dachshunds, and so they look kind of silvery, and they have a dilute coat, and because Neo was, I knew... I like I was getting a boy and a girl. They were litter mates, and I said I knew his name was Don. It's Neil. That's, <laughs> that's it, for sure. Um, but Bella, I just couldn't. I was gonna. You want to do Trinity? I was gonna do it. <laughs> Wait, I was gonna do it. I was gonna do it, and I thought, oh, it's gonna be so cheesy. It's gonna take away from Neo. But I was gonna call them Neo and Trinity. <laughs> really, honestly, and truly, I'm not gonna lie. It was gonna be Neo and Trinity. And then when you just look, she's she's such a sweet little face. She's still, they're three and a half. She didn't look like a Stone Cold Killer. You she just <laughs> didn't look like a Trinity. He looks like Neo. <laughs> and he, and she just did not look like a Trinity. So, because there is a Bella Dachshunds, mm -hmm. I went, she's Bella. And that's how it came up. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm going to go onto Instagram immediately and like all of your pictures of them. Um, <laughs> I have lots of fun photos of them. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for being a guest on the Beauty Podcast. You no, have been thank an absolute you. joy. Yeah, it was lots of fun. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.